welcome to the this the eighth episode of the metallurgy podcast i'm this glad is... that uh you're keeping track of that <laughs> it's just flying by man it yeah. is it's going by pretty soon we'll be at at the 10th episode which i think will be pretty cool um this episode uh we're going to be talking about the first decade of black metal the origins of black metal actually a little over 10 years of it um we're gonna be starting in the late 70s um i think starting earlier than that are you damn I'm gonna try oh i, I did, did just briefly i did not know it existed I've, that far I've, yeah well you know this is gonna be great because we're all bringing our own personal knowledge in on this uh this is gonna be a two-part sort of episode we're going to do this one the first like 10 years or sounds like more maybe like 15 now um and then we're going to next episode. We'll be reviewing some new albums. One of which will actually be the new Do Scented that we're we actually have access to now. So we're going to be listening to that and getting yeah, yeah. getting a feel for it. So we'll be able to let you know about it before um, it comes out. Hopefully, or at least the day it comes out, we'll release. And then we'll come back and we'll do another um, part on the black metal. This is Dino. This is Matt. This is. Cool. <laughs> Mm. And we are uh, drinking our coffee black. We are actually. Not. Well, your uh, version of yeah. splash of cream is highly uh, skewed. Yeah, my... <laughs> not yet. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm going to be starting us off. Um, so the origins of black metal. A lot of people associate black metal uh, with Venom because of their second album, uh, Black Metal, which was released in 1982. Uh, Venom as a band was actually started in 1979 with their first release, Welcome to Hell, in 1981. Um, but that's really not where the start of the story is. Um, I believe that the start of the story starts with Death SS uh, back in 1977. They're a band out from Italy. They had this guy uh, fronting them named Steve Sylvester, who was a member of the Ordo Templi Orientis. Uh, which I'm sure I'm not pronouncing correctly, but anybody who's kind of been a no uh, on the occult knows that Aleister Crowley was a member of that organization. Um, so there's a, kind of like this cool connection when I'm thinking about this to Led Zeppelin and Jimmy Page and sort of like his black magic and occult interests. Um, now, the funny thing about Death SS... <laughs> um, what year did you say? That's 1977. Oh, okay. Um the funny thing about them is that Steve Sylvester was actually kicked out of the band before their first album was released back in 1983, which is an album called Evil Metal. Um, Evil Metal was pretty cool. It was like kind of doom metal sounding. Uh, it's got these dark satanic themes, and it's pretty. It's kind of considered to be like influential in the black metal movement. So that's pre Venom. Um, not really sure whether. The guys in Venom knew about this stuff at the time. Um, them as influence. Yeah, but it's it, it's it seemed to me almost like there was a lot of this evil sort of satanic music just sort of happening around the same time. In some ways, sort of independent of one another, it seemed like to me. Yeah, uh, and in in other ways, not. But um, so. In any case, just to kind of jump back a little bit to Venom, Venom uh, obviously focused on satanic themes. They had pseudonyms for their artists. It was thrashy. They had grunting vocals, but they didn't do like the growls or the shrieks and stuff. And the production was pretty shitty. 
um, which I think anybody who listens to Venom know, knows. Um, or early black and, metal. Yeah, or really, <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a very particular style of black metal where I'm pretty sure people who, who like the genre will go thrashy, poor production, pseudonyms, Satan. That sounds like what I listen to, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also think that Venom, they they kind of get by as almost like a darker Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's very fitting for the time, I think. It's just like... That's already out there. Yeah. But let's just go darker. Yeah. Yeah. They've got um, uh, some of my favorite songs from them actually aren't even their C10. Like, I like Angel Dust, I think, is a really, yeah. really awesome song. Um, so, anyways, though, moving forward, then we've got um, Sodom with uh, Tom Angel Ripper doing bass and vocals. Yeah. Um, like in early stuff, you had Grave Violator on guitars and Witch Hunter on drums, uh, who actually passed away in 2008, unfortunately. Um, their first LP came out in 1986, but they were active since 1981, and they had a uh, an EP in 1984. Um, m- like, basically, their early work focused on like satanic themes, occult themes. Uh, it was really, really influential in the early black metal scene. Um, they, I mean, they did have. I think there was at least one song on their first EP that was like about war and just kind of war, and that's kind of where Sodom went later. Um, but yeah, so their early stuff was super influential. Um, later on, uh, actually, I mean, around the same time, 1981 in, in, um, in the Dane land, um, you've got, uh, <laughs> you've Dane got, land. yeah, you've got Merciful Fate forming in 1981 also. Yeah. So you can kind of see a theme, 1979, 1981, you've kind of got these bands all sort of starting to come out. So you've got Merciful Fate. Merciful Fate um, released their first self-titled EP in 1982. Um, the lineup back then was King Diamond, Kim Ruse, Hank Sherman, Michael Denner, and Timmy Henson. Um, you'll notice that I mentioned all the members of that band, and that's just purely because I'm a fan of the band. Yeah. And <laughs> I feel like mentioning them because I really love this band. I think yeah. what's really interesting about Merciful Fate, though, that we're talking about them mm-hmm. is their lyric content originally wasn't going to be satanic. This is true. This is absolutely true. In fact, King had to argue with the bandmates yep. to make the stuff satanic. Yeah. Cause yeah. they're all wearing crosses on stage. Yeah. And yeah. King they... diamonds like, I'm just going to invert that shit. Yeah. Fuck you guys. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a nice looking cross you've got there. <laughs> You dumb Christian. Let me hold one up, up that's made of human bone. Oh, <laughs> hail Satan. <laughs> um, so their first album was released, like I said, in 1982. Guys, check out, check this out, because I, I knew it was densely compacted, but I don't, I hadn't really thought about this until recently. So they put out their self-titled EP in 1982, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Melissa came out in 83, and then The Oath came, up, came out in 84. I came out in 83. <laughs> that, did vagina. you come out in 83 yeah it's oh, God, so me, me, it. me and uh the fate have uh ties strong ties it's a pretty good album <laughs> that's a pretty good album to get born born with um and then they broke up in 1985 and of course they got back together in like uh, the early 90s which i think uh, dina will mention later but no. so the no okay no. well then that'll be on part <laughs> that'll be a part two later so the cool thing about this band is they were so fucking satanic. <laughs> uh, 
I think uh, for for my money, more satanic than any of the other bands that had come before them, including Death SS. Actually, King just did not seem to give two fucks. He, the lyrics were just crazy satanic. Um, yeah, but the the funny thing is, is I have uh, quotes from King Diamond saying that he's not. They're they're not preachers. They're entertainers. So they they don't like preach the lifestyle in their lyrics. Mm-hmm. They're just there for entertainment. But, but he's a Satanist. He is. He is. Yeah, I mean... 500%. Six, six in one hand, half a dozen... 666%. Yeah. Let's get that right. Six in one hand, half a dozen in the other, right? I mean, that's the way I look at that comment. Yeah. We're, we're just entertainers, but I'm totally a Satanist. <laughs> um, mm, excuse me. So, King introduced, I think really really overtly satanic lyrics like the other stuff they had some satanic lyrics they had like you know pentagrams but something about the first fate records to me feel like yeah no hail satan i'm this is for real yeah um he also introduced corpse paint but uh king was kind of inspired by alice cooper so i might even want to say alice cooper sort of inadvertently came up with corpse paint um yeah, and then um, what's his name uh, from Kiss? Jonah oh, Blake. he'll probably he'll probably say he inspired yeah. the whole movement, but that guy bu- jumps on any bandwagon he can. Oh, I hate Gene Simmons. I, I have a couple quotes from King Diamond. Okay. Yes, preach it. Um, so this is in regards to him picking up uh, the Satanic Bible, Levays. He says, "I read the book and thought, hey." This is the way I live my life. This is the way I feel inside. It's not like it was a major religion or anything like that. It was a lifestyle that I could relate to 500%. And it's just nice to see your own views and thoughts and words in a book. It comforts you in some way. And that's how I felt. And you'll see it reflected in our early lyrics with King Diamond and Merciful Fate. I used the word Satan at the time, and it had a very specific meaning for me. Not the one that other people had. Do as thou wilt. (laughs) And then uh, I do have another quote from him regarding the lyrical content, just satanic lyrical content. Uh, He says, quote, I make pretty sure that no one can come and say, hey, you're trying to influence people into doing this or doing that, or you want to convert people and so on. No way. I raise a lot of questions, definitely, but I try not to give in straight words an answer of what I feel about it. You'll never see me doing things like that. People have got to make up their own minds, and if people are not interested in getting anything deeper out of the words in an album, that's fine too. We're entertainers, we're not priests. I have my way of life, and of course that will influence music and my lyrics. I put all my feelings into both. End quote. I love King Diamond. That's one of the Yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, we all know that. But, I mean... Again, I hate to I hate to be a little bit of a naysayer, but it must be a shame to see your Lord burning again. <laughs> the Lord Jesus, Satan <laughs> above. I I know I did that out of order, but okay. So, anyways, just kind of getting back to the timeline. Thank you for bringing those quotes. Yeah. Um, but anyways, getting back to the timeline. Um. So around this time, we've got uh, Sabbath from Japan, not the other Sabbath that's like a thrash metal band who 
I'm going to be transparent. I don't really like them. But the Japanese Sabbath's pretty fucking awesome. Um, so they got started in 1983. Uh, and they Again. were called, uh, I think they were just called Evil, actually. And so they had like their bassist, Gizel, guitarist, Osney, and Elizaviet, and drummer, Valvin. And then their vocalist, Toshia. Um, so they have been playing since 1981 in high school bands. Um, and then they were kind of just doing covers of stuff like, um, new wave of British heavy metal stuff, Iron Maiden. Um, but after a while they started to write their own material and they ended up playing their first gig in 1983. And then in early 1984, Toshia left the band and Gezel started uh, to take care of the vocals, uh, as well as his other duties. And then in 1985, they released their first EP on Evil Records, uh, which was limited to 300 copies. So when they first started, were they originally had satanic satanic lyrics, or it was when the when the other the other guy, uh, what was his name, stepped up for vocal duties? Gonna be honest, I don't know that much. Okay. Um, I know that they've always sort of had this satanic and dark sort of occult edge to them okay. since their releases but in the early stuff they were playing in the back in the high school stuff one of their band names was like hot rod so i think that they were just kind of playing around various okay. stuff and then they probably got hooked into the um satanic stuff a little later um so then uh later we have we have bathory which was uh formed by thomas forsberg aka Quorthon. Rest in peace, Quorthon. Yes, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Amazing but, person. Yeah, fuck. Oh. Pioneer. Yeah. Pioneer. What were you going to say? I, I have a, a, something to say about the um, start of Bathory. Please do. And may, maybe this is overlap with what you were going to say, but basically Quorthon worked at a studio, I believe. A studio or record company, maybe magazine, something like that. It was yeah. something music related right. that had to do with metal. And they were going to release um, kind of a tribute CD. I think it was six songs or something. And he re- he was like, let my band make a do one of the songs. Like, we'll do it. Okay. And then they released it. And out of the six songs with six different bands, 85% of the fan mail and like interest came for Bathory's song. Uh, and that's basically what got them started. That's killer. That is yeah. totally cool. That's so awesome. So he's just like, hey, let me do this one thing. And then boom, explosion. Well, okay. That's fucking cool. Um, so Bathory is Swedish. Um, this is the first band uh, to use or like really popularize the growl and shrieking vocals. Yes. In black metal in general, as far as I know. Quorthon was the first dude to do that. So, and by the way, I think when he introduced it to the people, like when he was going to do that thing, he's like, "Hey guys, I, I think we have a, like a cool, fresh way to heavy metal. Like you should check us out." Like that was it. <laughs> like not the <laughs> so, most evil thing in the world. <laughs> so, so the 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 way he uh, the way the vocals were on the tribute. I I don't know. I um, I assume that they're the same as they are in Bathory's. Okay. If a listener can get us that fucking track, that is yeah. very interesting. If a listener uh, yeah. can get us that track, I would love to hear that track. 
I don't, I don't know about I don't know about this track. <laughs> Doesn't even exist. It's kind of annoying because I have a lot of Bathory albums. And I just <laughs> don't fucking know about this song. Maybe it's an extra in there somewhere. Yeah, oh man, never know. <clears throat> yeah, it's well. The first album that they ever did came out in 1984. And the cool thing is, not only did he basically create the prototypical Scandinavian black metal sound, like the sound that everybody today still uses back in 1984, although kind of or really, derivative from... kind of really with his later albums, but started in 1984. Right. Um, he also was one of the pioneers of Viking metal. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's just later on in about three one, years. One road to Asa Bay. Yeah. Um, so again, rest in peace, Corthon. The guy's the fucking man. I love that guy. Um, plus, he started uh, Blackmark Records, which has Edge of Sanity on it. I mean... Love Edge of Sanity, too. Yeah. Um, then we're looking at 1984 Celtic Frost, which is another big, big, big daddy. Yeah. Big yeah. daddy. Oh, which had right. a lot of... It actually had a lot of difficulty in early years with, like... Um, so, the very first album... <laughs> well, actually, the very first two albums that were released, yeah, by, by Celtic <laughs> Frost was... Uh, were actually met with negative feedback by, uh, like, Kerrang! Magazine. Interesting. For one. Yeah, yeah. and that's because... Um, Does it have to do with Into the Pandemonium, mainly? Well, is it- the thing is, is that, um, <clears throat> no, so, <laughs> so, okay, let me backtrack. So Tom G warrior, I think was the one who really, um, came up with the whole, Ooh thing, except he didn't have like the balls yeah. you know, that like now people go, Ooh, you know, but he was like, Ooh, <laughs> do we talk about Hellhammer? I'm going to right oh, okay. now. <laughs> so the reason you why Celtic Frost, the reason why Celtic Frost was having difficulty, is because Tom G. Warrior was in Hellhammer, and um, basically Kerrang and other medical, uh, medical metal pop publications at the time said that all Celtic Frost was was Hellhammer with a different name, and Hellhammer was sort of chastised in the movement for being overly simplistic and too raw and just not really developed enough musically and in some ways they were supported because they were so raw but in a lot of ways they were they were chastised for it and so uh, they actually were around from uh, 1981 to 84 Mm -hmm. and tom was actually kicked out of hellhammer so he was kicked out he didn't leave like he was kicked out of the band and then he was actually replaced by um another bass player named Martin Eric Ains, who actually went on to, after Hellhammer ended in 84, make Celtic Frost with him. Yeah. And then he used a, a like a studio session drummer on the first album. But they just basically got hammered by everybody. And Tom was uh, was quoted as later saying, that, you know, basically it the first two albums got such negative feedback that, that their dreams were almost ruined wow. as, as trying to make the band work. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and of course, we know that, that Tom uh, and um, and Martin ended up being joined by Reed St. Mark on the drums. Um, Hellhammer's from Switzerland. So, we, I mean, that's one of the things I think is most interesting is that this movement didn't really happen in one place. It's like all over the fucking place. Yeah. Right. All these people that started doing this. Um, but the funny thing is that each, each um, area, region... They have their own sound. That's true. 
Yeah, I think that is interesting, actually. It's like you kind of get like, I, th- I kind of think back to like those like minstrel songs that like they would play on like lutes and lyres like back in the olden times on the grandpa's guitars, you know? Grandpa's guitars. <laughs> you know, and, uh, <laughs> and how like those scales and those melodies are seeping into the super brutal music and making it sound unique yeah. across these different, you know, cultures. I, I hear less of a difference between Sweden and Norway than I do like Finland, which is close. Yeah, but but Sweden. they're all in the same area. Yeah, I I hear a big difference between Finland for sure. Yeah, but I, I their mean, language I, also sounds extremely different. Yeah, and I think that's a big part of it too. Yeah. Um. So okay. So that's uh Celtic Frost because I'm only going up to 1985. So if you guys feel like I'm missing out on something, Dina will probably say it later. Um, I honestly don't have too much past that, or or, <laughs> or not. Fuck you. Yeah, because um, yeah, we're still in the early days. We are. It's just yeah. being invented. We're in the olden times right now, and, and we're covering the first wave. Yeah, of black metal. So uh, I'm just gonna move forward a little bit. So mayhem uh, is, is I Ooh. think, kind of what people really think of when right. they think of early black metal just because of all the controversy that was yeah. around the band. Yeah. I and agree. I, th- I think they're the inception of the second wave. Like that's the start of it. Well, they were formed in 1984. Um, yeah. But their first album didn't come out until 87. Right. Um, yeah, I think that that is actually correct. Cause the only thing I actually have down here, um, for my part up until 85 is that they formed in 84. Yeah. Um, so the last thing that I'll be saying then up until 1985 is that we're moving on to bulldozer, uh, which is an Italian band. They released, uh, their album, the day of wrath in 1985. And they were active before that, uh, up in, uh, I've seen 1980 and 1981 when I'm researching them, but their guitar player, Andy Panagata is fucking awesome. And, um, Fenris actually put together an album for, I want to say it was season of mist. I could be wrong, but Fenris actually put together an album, uh, for, uh, it's called Fenris presents best of old school black metal. It was limited to 2000 copies and had a 32 page booklet inside. And on that album, he actually put a tune from Bulldozer on it, and it was a song called Whiskey Time. <laughs> and it's from, it's actually from their, uh, their first album. Um, but I think he fucked up because, uh, I'll say that. I think he fucked up because I, uh, when I'm listening to the album, what I think sounds more black metal is the song uh, Welcome Death. It's a pretty fucking badass song. And that is the end of my portion. Yeah. So the the true start of black metal ended with somewhere around blood, fire, death, I would say, maybe. Um, and then Bathory kind of went more uh, Scandinavian, Nordic themes. Um, and the idea is that Bands such as Morbid Angel, uh, Sabbath, Tormentor, and others uh, from all over the world kind of kept that flame burning. And the second wave of black metal started, and this is according to Wikipedia, which is from a magazine that I can't remember right now. 
um, started with Mayhem in 1987. And I think that's where our second um, part is going to begin, is with Mayhem. Because that's when you really start to get the true Norwegian black metal sound. And everybody tries to copy it. Yeah, and it, it just explodes from there. I am going to disagree in that I really think Bathory, Bathory did it first. No, 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 yes. Ba- but I'm saying first wave. Bathory did it first. You're talking about second wave. Second, second wave. wave. Oh, That's okay. when, like, like Bathory, and well, I guess, and Venom and Merciful Fate were all the kindling. And then it really took off when when other bland, bands that used them as influences kind of exploded. And um, there was something about, because I, I was listening to some Sarcophago today. They're from Brazil. And uh, they they actually do have some falsettos in there. And wow. it reminds me of, well, it reminds me, of course, of Merciful Fate, but also of Emperor, too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, nine Equilibrium. It's kind of, it's strange, but... Um, wow! And I'll end on this note is that um, people believe that Sarcophago is really kind of the influence behind Mayhem. Oh. But I kind of want to go back a little ways. Let's let's take a step back. And um, I'll, I'll kind of reiterate some stuff that went over. Because... <laughs> um, I think some people are interested in like when did Satan kind of come into music and a lot of people or I guess into modern day music. Right. And uh, some people just say jazz just based off of the themes and the styles. But some people also think that's it's just mainly racist because it just came with the black culture probably is pretty racist. Yeah. And um, one some people attribute uh, it more to blues and basically one blues musician called uh, Robert Johnson um, they because they say he sold his soul to the devil to write the music that he did because apparently it was it didn't catch on at the time that he was alive and he he died in uh, 1938 at the age of 27 he was poisoned wow um, wow probably by a crazy Christian yeah but he he wrote <laughs> <laughs> uh, just kidding <laughs> he wrote songs like me and the devil's blues and hellhound on my or hellhound on my trail um so you know some darker themes and you know including the devil in there okay fine it sounds so mainstream now right but i think at the time it was fairly new hellhound jeez louise so, so i think that's some people think that's the start of it, um, which then goes into you know Elvis, Beatles, Led Rolling Zeppelin Stones. Playing their... You get Aleister Crowley was in the 30s, right? I th- I think that's when he was, and he's and he influenced um, Led Zeppelin, Black yeah. Sabbath, which basically leads me into some of the other. Uh, different satanic bands uh, than Death SS that you were referring to. (laughs) So in the 1970s, there were two bands. One was Black Widow and the other one was Coven. Black Widow 
uh, was a sex, an English sextet. Uh, they had three albums between 1970 and 1972. And they did have... Um, Hold on, they put out three albums yeah. in two years? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So they had some um, like cultish style um, album covers, like Black Masses, stuff like that. Uh, but one thing that was note was a mock ritual sacrifice during the show. Nice. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. But the one thing that I want to get to is Coven, which also started in 1970. And this album, Witchcraft, destroys minds and reaps souls. Um <laughs> Basically, it's a band that sounds like Jefferson Airplane, <laughs> but it has satanic lyrics throughout. Wow. That sounds and like a great thing to listen to. I know, right? There's a, a female singer named Jinx and a male singer called Oz Osborne. Interesting. No relation. Right. No, it just it just so happened. That's it. Um, with a title track called Black Sabbath. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, I feel copyright laws. <laughs> hey, and man. I, yeah, yeah. Nothing you do well, about it. I, I want to read a segment from um, the book, The Lords of Chaos. It's uh, um, an interview with one of the members of Coven, and it basically talks about one of their shows, essentially. So while well, they played, so quote, we did a lot of our albums and other things as our stage show. Intermixing the black mass or satanic mass is kind of a segue between the songs. Behind the stage, we had an altar on top. On top. Oh, an altar on top of the altar. We had was a Christian cross. And we had our road people hanging on the, cr- the cross as Jesus. <laughs> and he just kind of stayed there during the whole show. Our stage was lit with obviously a lot of reds and we had candles and that kind of thing. Then we would do our whole album and other material that all dealt with interesting stories of witchcraft. Of course, we were costumed right at the end of our set. We did a Procol Harum song that was just appropriate called War War Wall Purges. And right in the middle in the break into Ave Maria. At that point, Jinx would do the benediction of the Black Mass, and she'd recite the Latin bits, and she would do, quote, Do what thou wilt shall be the whole, whole of, of the, the law, law. <laughs> which is Crowley. Right. She said the Crowley bit, then would hail Satan, and would turn around and scream, Hail Satan, at the cross and altar. At which point, the guy, Jesus on the cross would pull his arms off the cross, get down, invert the cross into a satanic symbol, oh, and shit. would go dancing off the stage while the music was playing. End this is quote. the coolest thing! <laughs> <laughs> Why the fuck don't people just just do that, though? I know, right? I think we need to do a cover. Oh, wow. That, it honestly sounds like a tall order. It really does. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering what that would... Uh... I've never heard of any coven. Have you? No, I, I see that. That's the thing. I don't know. I don't think I have. Um, I think I've seen their name, but I haven't really listened to them. 
See, I was thinking that maybe I had heard of them, but then I was like, am I just thinking of Into the Coven? That's what I'm, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm going to say I don't think I've heard of them before. Yeah. Um, wow, that's some really interesting history. Yeah, yeah, I, re- I read that and I was like, oh man, I, how can we not talk about that? Like, that is so... And King Diamond, he gets, inf- he got influence from Jinx the Singer. And that's why I'm like, I'm like, we, I have to find this because I'm wondering if falsettos are involved and all that. But definitely the, the stage show. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. if, if he ever did see them live... I could see where some of his influence came from. That's fine. So that, awesome. But then again, Alice he, Cooper. Alice Cooper. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, I mean, there's no reason why it can't be both. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, Alice Cooper has been always pretty good with his stage shows, though. Yeah. He's still good with his stage shows, he and he's old as fucking time. Yeah. Guy holds it together. Um, and I guess going back to. We talked with, uh, we talked about Death SS and all that, and then back to Venom. I uh, here's a quote from one of the the band members and um, from Kerrang in 1985. Quote: Look, I don't preach Satanism, occultism, witchcraft, or anything. Rock and roll is basically entertainment, and that's as far as it goes. If one were to reduce Satanism simply down to the credo of doing your own thing, then Venom may be Satanist. But by that criterion, the Beach Boys probably are as well. After At at War with Satan, Venom diluted much of its image and personnel changes wrought havoc on the integrity of their latest recording. Um, I think that was the end of the quote. Sorry. Um, Yeah, so along with King Diamond and Venom stating that they're basically not preaching the message but they're still singing about it. I find really interesting. Well, it's in a way, it's kind of like that uh, mentality where sex sells. Um, when, you know, pubescent teens are growing up, they want to revolt. They want to rebel. And Satan kind of fills, fills that role in some people's minds. Let's go buy a Demon Burger album and make daddy upset. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I mean that—that's probably why it it started getting <clears throat> slowly more popular because everybody's like, "What are you listening to?" Oh, check this out. My dad hates it. Oh, cool. I want it. I don't know. I wasn't born back then. <laughs> well, I think there's—I think there's got to be an element of that in that you know it's provocative, just sort of like the way Black Sabbath they they were what it's just like some dime a dozen fucking blues band, right? They're standing across the street from a horror movie with a line around the block. And one of them goes, why don't we just make scary music? People seem to like to be scared. And then they blow up. Yeah. You know? Well, I don't see any reason why that can't be a part of the equation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, back to Bathory. Um, there was a Corthon was basically I, I read a couple things that Corthon thought about that looking back on that time. And he was saying that essentially that first record made records was him rebelling against society. When you when you boil it down, that's what it was. Um, at the time he thought he was super serious about the lyrics, you know, like Satanism and all that stuff. But he said by the t- at towards the end of his career or the I guess the last couple albums that he's released 
he believed in Satan no more than he did at the time, which wasn't that much. And then kind of sees it as a gimmick. Um, you know, just basically as Venom did. So, I, I, again, interesting that none of these, like, King Diamond's a Satanist, but they all say that they're not, like, preaching the, the message. But I feel like, regardless, it still came through. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah, I think so. Well, of course a couple people are going to take it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Which happens in the later years. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, and then I have a last quote from Horthon regarding basically... The, the change in, in uh, lyrical content and theme of his albums. Um, he said, we tend to think of ourselves as modern, down-to-earth, Protestant Christians, talking about <laughs> Swedish people in general, healthy Christians, and we never talk about how Sweden was prior to that, more than 900 years ago, because we have a history of 2,000 years of being Asa faithful and just 970 years of Christianity. And if they didn't want to talk about it, I'm prepared to fight any kind of war by the great hail under the runes for my father's gods, because there are certain values from those times worth fighting for. Right. End quote. And I find that the most intriguing of all, because that's basically laying the groundwork for the second um, wave of black metal. Yeah. Which if no one knows in general there were church burnings and all that stuff so yeah let's get these christians out of here <laughs> yeah yeah so that's basically all i have for my input on the first wave of black metal but this has been wonderful and informative <laughs> yes <laughs> Hail Satan. <laughs> Hail Satan. Uh, yeah, there's definitely going to be a few uh, albums I'm going to be downloading on my phone real quick before we all head out <laughs> this evening for the yeah. drive home. Yeah, I've got, I'm going to try and find that coven. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I'm actually going to see if I can find some, some coven on YouTube, I think, and see if I can get... I doubt there's going to be from the 70s any video footage. I but, know. Um, yeah, I'm totally interested in that. Yeah. All right, so we want to go ahead and we're going to be signing this thing off? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. This is Dino. This is Matt. This is cool. (laughs) Keep it classy, listener. (laughs) Yeah. And if you want to get a hold of us, uh, you can reach us at metalnewsreviews at gmail.com. Say that 10 times fast. Metalnewsreviews at (laughs) gmail.com. Metal news reviews at gmail.com. Metal news reviews <laughs> at gmail.com. Hey. Hey. Plastic people. <laughs> Not you, listener. All right. Signing off. Thank you for listening. Bye.